Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, everybody, to Digger Dad's Pure Shy Podcast. This is me, Ryan. That's Shane. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about some serious stuff. Yeah, I just thought I'd um, talk a little bit about autism and that. You know, I, I read a book recently, um, it's called uh, Different, Not Less. And it's by an Australian girl called Chloe Hayden. And it's very good. Very good book. Do you read many books, though? No, I prefer to have people read them to me. Oh, yeah, the audible thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't got time to sit there and read a book. You know, so while I'm at work, if I'm not listening to a podcast, I'll just have someone uh, read a book to me. Yeah, right. Okay. So, um, obviously, my son Niall's got autism, and we've known he's had autism since he was, I want to say just before or just after he was two. And we always kind of could sense that there was something a little bit different with Niall in how we used to do things, you know. He was very, um, very repetitive in his behavior. And he would always, um, we noticed he'd always spin things, you know, put something on the ground and just spin it. Whenever stuff would get um, a little bit too much for him, he'd just take himself into a corner and just spin stuff around. And he would do that for as long as you let him, as long as you let him. And we then figured out that something something isn't quite the norm here, you know, as they say. So um, we looked into getting him uh, tested and stuff with a paediatrician. And, you know, you have to do things privately these days because public waiting lists, they just forget about the kids, don't they? They just forget about them. So, um... Yeah, we ended up getting them uh, tested and stuff and they were able to tell us definitively that he does have autism. Now, over here, I'm not sure if it's the same everywhere, but over here, there's like three stages. So one is what they called mild autism. Um, two is significant autism. And three is what they would class a disability, you know. So Niall falls into the second category. Now, a few things that we picked up on when we were starting to try and work out whether we thought he might have something else going on, was his ability to be able to memorise things. Now, that lad, he's got building blocks here that have got letters and numbers on them. So it's a six-sided block, essentially. It's kind of like a dice, but except it's got letters and a number on it. And they're all different colours. So the letter F will be different on it. 
the letter K will be different on it, and then the number three might be on it, and they'll all be different colours. And he was able to work out that whichever colour, say the letter J was on a block, whatever colour that was, he was able to know what number was going to be on that block, because there's only one number on it. So if you said to him, can you get me the number nine? The number nine would be facing down on the carpet, so he can't see it. But he was able to tell by, say, the letter A being green, that the number nine was on that block. I could not believe this when I saw it happening. I thought, how are you finding that number, lad? Like, I would purposely put them so that the numbers were on the bottom. He couldn't see the numbers. And I would say, here, can you get me the number four? And he'd just have a quick glance across the top of the blocks, spot the letter that corresponds with the number, pick it up and go, four? And hand it to me. I was blown away by this. I thought, this is fucking not right. Like, are we going to make a fortune off this lad? <laughs> you know? So I said it to herself. I said, can you see what he's doing here now? And I showed her. And she too was like, fuck, how is he doing that? So I picked up the blocks and I had a look at them. And I found out that they do have a certain number corresponding to a particular letter of a particular colour on the opposite side. He was only two years of age. And he had figured that out instantly. I was like, this is a different kind of young fella. Yeah, blow your mind, like. Absolutely blow your mind. And then there was one day where uh, my wife was doing a puzzle with him. Like a, a, a wooden puzzle where you pull out the shapes. And he lined up all the numbers perfectly. One to ten. And she thought it was a fluke. So she mixed them up and said, do it again. And he did it again. You know, and we just knew then, like... His thinking, like, is just not the same as how we'd regularly think. To be able to memorise that at two years of age or so, and just no bother at all. Like, it, it took me ages to work out how it was he was doing this. I'm on this earth nearly 30 years, you know. It, it was mind-boggling to me. So I obviously looked into stuff. I thought maybe he just has a really good memory. Maybe he's got one of those uh, eidetic memories where he can see a thing and just memorise what it looks like. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I then came to the conclusion that he very well might be autistic because autistic people tend to have really, really strange ways of figuring stuff out and coming to conclusions with things, you know? Not that strange is bad. Strange is obviously very good because for him to be able to do that at such a young age is unreal, unreal. But it also does have its downfalls because that's essentially all he could do. You know, he couldn't play with stuff. He couldn't figure out that a plastic hammer hits the plastic nail. You know, he was very, very slow to learning how to play, just basic play, you know. Every toy you'd buy him, you know, he'd always flip it over and try and find ways to spin it. And that was his thing. He just loved to spin things. Whether it was a, a toy car, whether it was a, f a toy phone, you know, whatever it was, if he could turn it up on its side... Or put it in a position where it kind of has to balance a little bit and then spin it. He was happy out. It didn't matter at all what he had. So eventually we got around to getting him uh, an assessment with a paediatrician. And they were very quick to tell us that yes, he does have uh, level two, as they call it, autism. And, you know, he was slow to speech. Um, he still goes to speech therapy, uh, occupational therapy, which helps him. Because essentially our OT, because we've been through a lot of them. We've been through a few people. There are some fraudsters out there, lads. It's very important 
very, very important as a parent to trust your gut. If you're in a room with someone that doesn't seem like they're on the same wavelength as you or they're doing what you feel they should be doing in order to help your child, you're probably right, you know, and that's the sense we got with a few of these people. But the one we're with now kind of broke it down to us in the fact that his nervous system is not as mature as his body. So although he's nearly four now, his nervous system is that of, say, a two-year-old. And that's why he's so clumsy, you know, because he is very clumsy. He runs into things. We're constantly getting phone calls from daycare to say, Niall has bumped his head, or Niall ran into this, or Niall did this. He's all right, we just have to let you know. Incident reports filling out all the time because he's fallen off of something, or done this, or done that, you know, because he's just so clumsy. He doesn't look where he's going. He thinks that everything is going to move out of his way as he's running. You know, it's just, it's crazy sometimes. But with the right help from the right OT and speech, the lad is coming on massive. He's a lot more aware of where he is in his surroundings. He's a lot more vocal. You can hear him. Some of you that watch my TikTok videos from way back, when I first started recording myself talking to Niall, and listen to them now. Like, the lad has come on massive. And... He really struggled with his speech, but it's just we found the right groove. We're doing all the right things that we're being told to do by the speech, by the OT. And it's just all working together. You know, it's all about working in at the same time with the professional. It's very important then to figure out a routine, you know, because with autistic people, things have to happen how they see it's going to happen. And if not, meltdown. You know, they, they literally can't understand reason. They can't comprehend change that hasn't been talked about. You know, if, if something just happens, it's, oh, what's going on here? I can't deal with this. Freak out. You know, and that's what they do. They have a meltdown. And there's a, there's a difference between uh, meltdowns and a tantrum. You know, um, it explains in that book too that I read that people tend to think that a meltdown is a child having a tantrum. And it's not. A tantrum is is result-based. You know, you're looking for something at the end of that. Whereas a meltdown, essentially, you're just freaking out in your own head. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what you want. You're not chasing anything except trying to figure out what it is that's actually happening. Whereas a tantrum, you're kicking and screaming because you want a chocolate or you want a toy or you can't get what you want. Huge difference. And a meltdown doesn't need to be your child on the ground shouting and screaming and going mental and running around. It, it can just be them kind of changing their behaviour a little bit. You know, just kind of being a little bit more reckless with stuff. That's them in their own head wondering what's going on. So they can't quite, they can't quite figure out how much force they're putting into something. Whether it is they're playing with you, you know, and stuff's just getting too stimulating and they can't cope with it. They can kind of get a little bit rough with stuff, but not show obvious signs of a meltdown like very rarely now have we seen Niall like completely completely lose the plot there was one time here the the baby gate that stops him from going into the kitchen which essentially stops him going out into the garage where the cars are is um is locked all the time and one day just just out of nowhere in our minds we were just sat there my wife was doing the dinner and stuff like that and I was playing with Niall and obviously stuff got too much for him and he just ran over and the force for such a small lad to be able to rip the, the child gate down from where it is like I literally had to 
to hold him, like literally kind of restrain him because he was going to hurt himself. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to grab a hold of them and either hold them in real close to you or kind of not lie on top of them, but just kind of hold them down so that they're not hurting themselves. And the feeling of you around them and the weight of you on top of them, in a sense, will kind of comfort them. A lot of autistic kids use, uh, and autistic people, I suppose, use uh, weighted blankets and stuff like that. So it kind of gives you that sense of, right, I'm back on the ground now. Because they feel like they're fucking up in space. Like, when they're going through that, they're just being lifted, lifted, lifted up real high where it's just terrifying. And now they realise, fuck, I'm up this high now. What do I do? And essentially they're freaking out. And that's what it is. But it does come in different things. You know, throwing something, flying off the handle, pulling off gates, or just changing the way they talk and act in play or just general behaviour is is the sign of a meltdown. There's also a term called stimming, right? And it's essentially um, self-regulating or coping with high levels of stimulation. So it might just be like tapping on the table or just like clicking your fingers or... You know, we all do stuff like that. You know, I tend to, to scratch my face a little bit, even though I'm not itchy. I'll do that from time to time. Just my way of coping with being on the camera and stuff that's going on around me, I just have a, a tendency to do that. But with autistic people, they can stim for ages, you know, and it can be anything from, you know, flapping their arms up and down or jumping up and down on the spot when they get excited, you know, or Nile used to spin stuff. That was his way of stimming, you know, self-regulating, coping with stressful situations, new environments. Nile would go into a corner, find something and spin it. That was him stimming, right? The important thing about stimming is that I've learned it's very, very good for them because it stops them from reaching that level of meltdown. They know a way of coping with this high intense situation and that stimming. So being excited and being sad, being happy, if that's overdone, it can lead to a meltdown. Excitement is a happy feeling, but too much of it for an autistic person is enough to trigger a meltdown because it's just too much feeling. They can't cope with all the feeling, you know? So the stimming is essentially keeping them on a balance where they can cope. And it's very good. Put your, your pride aside or whatever you want to call it, embarrassment aside. Don't see it as an embarrassing thing. And if people around you say, oh, you should probably stop them from doing that, tell them to fuck off because that's your child or your friend, whoever it is, way of coping with stuff. And with uh, autistic people, as gifted as they are with their brains, like memories and stuff and being able to count, like Niall can count to 100. Niall knows his alphabet. Niall knows every shape, every color. You know, that's all fantastic. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. 
but it's the socialising aspect that they struggle with. And as a parent, as Niall's parent, I would prefer him to be able to socialise properly than be able to count to 100, be able to know his alphabet. You know, I'd much prefer him to be able to go into a room with kids and just be able to bond and play and not get too overwhelmed by different things that happen. The slightest little change can set him off, you know. I would much prefer him to be able to do that than for him to be able to count past 10 at this stage, you know. But that's just the way it is, and that's just how we have to deal with things. He's coming on so much better now since we started to get this real, proper OT help and speech help, you know. You see him, he's a very popular lad in school now. You go in and everyone just goes, Niall, and he just starts waving at people. And there's days where he won't talk to people when he first gets there, where he just grabs a hold of me because maybe people are sat in different places or, you know, he's just feeling a little bit different that morning and he clings to me and he doesn't want to let me go or whatever, you know. But you would definitely much rather them have the social skills than, the, say, the intellect of having that brain where they're able to memorise so many things. Because the lad, he's able to read, like, he's able to read names, read words. He's essentially reading some of these books that he has to us. He's not even four yet. You know, he shouldn't be doing that yet given his age, but that's just an autistic trait he has where he's able to memorise. So essentially he's memorised the book. So he couldn't tell you exactly what the word is if you, re- if you wrote it down on a piece of paper. But he knows word for word what some of these books are. And we wouldn't have read them to him like that many times because we've got so many books. You know, we go through a lot of books with him. But just whatever it is he's interested in, he loves diggers, anything to do with diggers and stuff like that, he loves it. So all his digger books... He knows them off by heart. He knows all these different types of diggers. He knows diggers by the colour. He knows Cabelcos are blue. He knows the Volvos are black. He knows the cats are yellow. You know, he's just got a gifted memory. But the socialising is where he's lacking. And a lot of autistic people are like that. They don't tend to gel too well with a crowd. I'm like that myself, to be honest. I don't like being in a massive crowd of people where I feel like I'm a bit trapped, you know. But meeting new people... For an autistic person is a, a no-go. Like if they could choose not to, they would, you know. And the dinner time, I don't know if people that have autistic kids now are the same as us, but fuck, dinner time can be tough, hey? Oh, my God. The lad only wants to eat one thing, and that's pasta. Or he might have avocado on toast. Other than that, you're wasting your fucking time. I swear to God, he used to go for pizza, and now doesn't want a fucking bar of it. You know, the other night even, you know, we're after being at the shops, getting the shopping and that. And the wife says, what do you want for dinner? I said, sure, fuck it, we'll just get grilled. Which is essentially um, a burger place. Does really healthy burgers out here in Australia and chips and stuff. Really nice, really good food as well. It's not like a McDonald's or anything like that where you feel like shite after it. It's actually decent stuff. And we always get the same kind of burger that we usually get. And then we get a small little thing of chips for him and chicken nuggets now any child in their right mind would tear your face off for some chips and chicken nuggets any child not mine doesn't want a bit of it essentially tells you to fuck off (laughs) you know it's like lad if you just tried that chicken nugget you would love it it's lovely just try it and he'll say no dad no dad I want chocolate dad it's like you're not having chocolate until you have some of that dinner like you know, and he did take a bite of one, and I thought, Grant, here we are, we're on to a winner now. And no, just doesn't want a bar of it, because it's not something he's used to. 
All he wants is pasta and mince or fucking avocado on toast. That's it. And it's just, it's so draining. You, you dread dinner time in the evenings. It used to be one of my favourite times of the day, dinner time. But now I dread it. I'm just waiting for the next thing to come up now for he has a meltdown. Because he'll have a meltdown before dinner. Always, every evening before dinner. He will work himself up so much. It's like he can time it. He knows exactly when it's going to happen. And he works himself up so much that he can get out of having dinner. And you, you kind of feel like you've, you've let him down when he's going to bed after not eating his dinner. You know? And we don't always have avocados in the house. We don't always have pasta ready. You know? We'll have one of each. But we're not going to have both on tap for him constantly. You know? We need to try and teach him that we do have other things for dinner. You know, and slowly introducing things to him. But sometimes you're fighting a losing battle and he will go to bed essentially not hungry, but not after eating a whole lot of dinner. And that's that's just it. You feel like shite, but at the same time, you need to kind of set rules in place that you're not having any chocolate or ice cream or anything until you've eaten at least half of that dinner. And that's the rule we have. And sometimes it works and a lot of times it doesn't. But it's all just routine, you know. He, he doesn't have a lot of uh, screen time either. You know, he might have an hour, maybe an hour and a half in the evenings, depending on how well the dinner went and stuff. And w- with the telly time and that, we used to have it fucking awful bad here. Because he used to like YouTube, you know. But he'd always want the same things over and over and over again. To the point where even he didn't want it. But his brain was telling him that he wanted it, if that makes sense. He'd say, put on this, Dad. And then you put it on and he'd, ah, don't want it, Dad. Put it on, Dad. You know, he's constantly fighting us on this stuff. And you're like, lad, you've burned all these videos out. Like, how about we watch something else? You know, and he couldn't hear television. No, lost his mind. But we eventually got around him by saying, listen, how about we watch some Bluey? The, the videos, as we call them, YouTube, the videos... They're broken now. The telly's broken for videos. So we have to watch Bluey. Which is fine because Bluey's good. Don't know if you've watched Bluey, but Bluey's actually really good. And um, it's only like, I think they're like seven to ten minute long episodes. And they've actually got a lot going on in them where you think, that's actually a good life lesson now. For not just the kids, but for us. Like, <laughs> you know, so Bluey's actually quite good. And that's what we watch now in the evenings. He'll watch, God, he might watch maybe five Five or six of those episodes of Bluey. And then it's bad time. And bad time has to happen how Niall wants it to happen too. You know. So essentially I bat him. And get him out of the bath. Dry him and dress him. And while he's in the bath. Mammy has to have a shower. He tells her as we're going upstairs. Mammy you go for a shower. And she'll say yeah right okay. Now she might have had a shower. Coming in from work like. You know. But she'll just disappear while I bat him. Because that's what he wants. And he can't cope with it. Not being that way. You know, and then we'll have, I'll dry him, dress him, and we'll have a 10-minute cuddle on mommy and daddy's bed. Something that he wants to do, that's fine. Make it as easy as possible, putting him to bed. And then he goes to bed. But with Niall, Niall has always, always been a great sleeper. Oh, my God. Sleep through the entire night from when he was three months old. We have very, I'd say I could count on two hands the amount of times in the nearly four years that we've had to get up 
where we've had a hard night with him, you know. And now and again, he'll, get, he'll be calling us saying, can I have a drink? And you go in and you get him a drink, you know. But to have a hard night with him was very rare, very rare now. And he's always slept in the dark, on his own, in his own room, you know. Because when he was a baby, he, um, he used to do this real heavy kind of breathing. And he used to annoy the shit out of me <laughs> when I was trying to sleep. And I said to herself, he's going into his own room now. And she said, I don't know. I said, he's going into his own room. I cannot sleep with that lad. Get him out. Because he was in like a basket, like a, a travel cut Moses basket type thing. And um, I said, he's going into that spare room. We'll hear him if he cries. I'm not having him in this room anymore. And from that moment, he has always slept in his own room. The door closed, black dark, and he doesn't stir. You know, occasionally he might say, can you leave the light on? The outside light, the hall light, until he falls asleep. And then you can turn it off. But more often than not, you just you just go to bed, close the door, and he's out for the night. And he might sleep anywhere from 10 to 14 hours. You know, he could go to bed at 7, and he could wake up at 8. He could go to bed at half 6. He could wake up at half 8. You know, a great sleeper. Always been a great sleeper. And I want to keep it that way. And the next one, whenever the next one decides to make an appearance, can be a good sleeper too. Because I'd much prefer to be dealing with the battles during the day when I'm awake than dealing with battles when I'm trying to sleep. I'd much prefer it. I would take it on no bother. You know, I, I can't stand being interrupted during the night. Look, if you have to, you have to. But I would much prefer to be dealing with the troubles and all the problems that might occur during the waking hours. <laughs> But yeah, I've just been kind of rambling on about autism in this podcast. I don't even know if it's a good one or not. I just um, needed to quickly find something to talk about and I decided to talk about that. And I have to go to the post office now and send some packages to Ireland. Some people won prizes on Instagram and I need to send them to them. And then someone ordered a cup off me and I have to send it to her. And I've just got so much going on, lads, that sometimes the podcasts are just the last thing, you know, because it's the thing that... um, takes up the most amount of energy and the most amount of time, you know, because I have to actually record an episode and then I have to actually edit it. So cut out the bits that I can't say or bits where I've lost my mind laughing because Ryan and myself don't often mix well together. And, you know, sometimes it's it's mentally draining having to do as much as I do. So I do apologize if sometimes podcasts don't get out when you want them. Suck the life out of you sometimes where you're just exhausted. And on a day off, because I do this on my day off, and on a day off, there's times where you just want to be fucking sat up watching shite television, drinking tea, you know, and you don't want to be putting energy into certain things because I just fucking burnt out, essentially. <laughs> burnt out. But hopefully, stuff comes about where I don't have to be working as much in my actual day-to-day job, and I can focus more time and energy into doing what it is that I should be fucking doing, which is all this stuff. But I have to work now to keep paying the bills until other stuff starts to happen. But there's stuff coming up in in the pipeline, and I'll keep you informed on that. But again, thanks very much for listening. Thanks for putting up with me shite, whether it is the shite videos, the shite podcast, whatever it is. Thanks very much. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.